Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Money, money, money. We work full-time, part-time, overtime to get money. Not a bad thing, but what do we do with this money? On this episode of Inverse, we're going to look at things, materials, and how they impact our spirituality. Hey, welcome to Inverse. We're so happy that you decided to join us on this new episode for a new quarter on the topic of stewardship. We got a lot of topics lined up for the entire about three months or so, and we're going to jumping into this episode on materialism. We're going to start off with our first verse. We're going to go to First uh, First John uh, chapter two, uh, verses fifteen and sixteen. But before we start, we're going to have Siku. Can you start us off with with, uh, with prayer? Sure. Let's pray. Loving Father, we pray that as we study your word, as we look at the struggle of materialism, that you'd open our eyes and that our lives would be transformed. Pray these things in your name. Amen. 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 Hey, Sebastian, can you read us the verse found in uh, 1 John? Absolutely. And we'll start up there in verse 2 and see what happens from, or chapter 2, yep. and uh, we'll, start, we'll see what happens. Verse 16 and 17? Verse 15 and verse 15 and 16. Verse 15 and 16. Okay. Yep. So the Bible says, 1 John 2, 15 and 16, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. All right. So first question goes to Israel. Hey, uh, welcome to the show. Thank hey, you. You look a little, you look happy today. I'm doing my best. <laughs> I'm doing my best. All right. So Sebastian read this verse, and uh, I'm just wanting to ask, like, what's your take on this verse? Why? What's 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 the meat that we can get out here? First of all, John is talking about the fact that the love of the Father and the love of the world are two things that go against mm-hmm. each other. And this text is all about love, actually. Love, love, love is repeated, but it's talking about two different kinds of love. The love of the Father versus the love of the world. And what it's saying is that they cannot, they cannot coexist. They can't coexist. They can't live together at the same time. What's important to note here is that it's referring to God here as the love of the Father. And I think that as we talk about, as we set up this, this conversation on materialism, we have to understand that it, affects us, that it affects us not just as a corporate Christian body, not only as disciples of Jesus, but it affects us as a family of God. It's a family value, mm-hmm. the family value of heaven. Mm-hmm. And materialism can be defined in many different ways. But here it's defined as the love of the world or worldliness, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a very tough, tough passage. I mean, like you said before, like, like love is everywhere. Love, 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 love. But then, at, I don't know, I'm living here in, 20, in the 21st century, and <laughs> I, want, I want everything. I want the love of the world and the love of God, you know? And, and this verse is saying you can't do that. Yeah. Well, well I, think it's, I think it's a constant tension in the fact that when you, when you look at life, right, you get a family, right, you want to have the best for your family. And I think the tension there is really a fine line, right? It's about keeping these things in balance and saying, hey, listen, 
it's good for me to want my kids to be comfortable, not stay in a dirty hotel, you know, <laughs> you know, all those kinds of things. But you know, that doesn't mean that Waldorf is story. Yes, stay absolutely, in a absolutely. Dirty hotel. Justin, I know what kind of hotels you stay in. The nice ones. Yeah. Hey, this this Texas is is uh, <laughs> the Texas distilling Christianity to love of the world versus. Love I mean, of it's the it's a basic principles yeah. here. It's getting really, really, really and fundamental. And it's a dichotomy. See, like you yeah. you either. If you don't have the love of the Father, then you've got a love of something else. Mm -hmm. You can't be like, you know, while I choose neutral. not to love anything. Yeah, there's, mm -hmm. there's no neutral ground, really. Like, it's one or the other. So with people who, who think they have both, they're actually fooling themselves. They actually, it's according to this possible. verse, they just have the love of the world. And also, mm -hmm. you know, I think the other element here in the text, right, that you look at two things. First of all, in verse 15, you see, right, he talks about if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not there. Mm -hmm. So one is also the absence of the other. And he explains in verse 16 that all that is in the world, those three things is not of the Father, mm -hmm. but is of the world. So mm -hmm. it's also the things that are in, mm -hmm. right? So I also think that the word affection could also play into this as well. And to say, where are your affections? Okay, break right. that down. What, what do you mean by affection? Because, you know, when you think about the things that you're, you're longing after, right, the things that you cherish, right, it's, it's like, well, the things that are in the world, the lust of the eyes, you know, it's like, man, you know, I, I, I'm casting my affections on this new car. I'm casting my affections on this. But it's like, well, if you're... So maybe not necessarily what you have or what you're doing, but it's where your heart is lingering towards yes. and your energy is focusing towards. Yeah, and and, and on, on that affection thing, I think it's, it's kind of... I, I like to think of it this way. What do you think about the most? Mm -hmm. You know, what... When you think about what, yeah, what occupies your thoughts, what right. occupies your, your, your energies, mm -hmm. you know, and it may, it may be that, yeah, you have the love of the Father, but it's not top in your life. So what is number one? What's, mm -hmm. What is the priority for you? Yeah. Well, let's look at what are those three things. Let's break, down that, uh, break that down a little bit. Uh, three things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What in the world is lust of the flesh? What are some, some manifestations of that? What are some examples of that? Well, I think when you think about sensuality, right, automatically that those basic Flesh, desires, body, right, yeah. eating food, you know, and you can get to and eating food is not bad. Correct. I mean, I mean, what's what's wrong with eating food? I mean, well, we're I think, have lunch I think time you have, food. you know, the desire for food, the desire for sex are all basic human desires, mm -hmm. right, in your flesh. But mm -hmm. we see that sin coming in has perverted that, right? And mm. this is where in the world you're going to take that to a grotesque extreme. So good things taken to another level, and then they even replace God. And there's okay, absolutely. Cool. Okay, um, lust of the eyes. So let's let's skip over that because we're going to focus on a little bit more. What is pride of life? Can you, someone explain, uh, Israel? What's what's pride of life? Pride of life is being focused on and 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 proud of the things that you possess. Mm -hmm. That you possess being defined by your possessions rather than being defined by. Uh, the, the value that God puts in us. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you look at creation, it's amazing what God does. He takes dirt. He literally takes dirt that has absolutely no value. We step on it. We spit on it. We, you know, <laughs> I don't, do, I don't spit on you don't spit on dirt. No. Okay. Just so, lying. That, cultures I don't go around and be like, ooh, dirt, let me spit on it. <laughs> well, hey, I do step on it, though, so we'll hey, go on that point. Spitting, yeah. spitting on dirt is, is a God-like uh, perspective. Hey, it's hey, godliness. Hey. God spit on dirt. That's how he, that's how he made it. That's true. Jesus yeah. healed the man's yes, eyes. That's with right. That's right. So, uh, anyways, God, okay, back, I don't to know point, you're back to the point. Back to the point. So we're all dirt, and we're yeah. all we're all God, we're, valueless. We're, we're, it's valueless, yeah. and and yet it becomes a, one of the crowning acts of creation. Mm. But the reason why it becomes that is not because God makes humanity out of gold, but it's because He puts in mm. dirt His own value, His breath. The breath is the value that we have, and so the pride of life is when we twist that around and we are defined by our possessions 
rather than being defined by the value that God himself we invested in start, us. We start thinking that the dirt is the value, is the value but it's yeah. actually the breath. Yeah, yeah. Hey, say that one more time, the, the value, uh, that, that was really deep. That's, yeah, that's so we have value that, yeah. But, you should just rewind and listen to it again. Yeah, just rewind. I don't even know what I said. I don't know. Uh, so, it's when we become defined by the possessions that we have instead of the value that God himself gives us. Yeah. So let me ask you, how are we defined, what are some ways we're defined by our possessions? I think that that is... That is a lofty idea, and we shouldn't be. But mm-hmm. let's let's make that real. Like, well, I how think, are we defined by? You know, when when I was uh, studying communication, you talk about brands, right? And people define their identity by the brands they use. Mm-hmm. Right? If I drive a BMW, I'm defined by, oh, I'm I've arrived. I'm at this particular status. If I wear Louis Vuitton dresses or a Coco Chanel purse, that's three thousand dollars. You're not buying it because it's functional and it levitates and it's lighter on your shoulder, right? You're buying that purse <laughs> because it has two C's and it's in these colors and people are going to look at you and say, oh, she's, she's high class. She's sophisticated. Yeah. And so I think through, through the, the products and big business drives that idea that, you know, when you look at marketing and fashion, they're pushing that, right? You yeah. do this, you are this kind of person. So rather than the value and the, the worth that, that God has placed you inherently as a human yes. being, it's the value placed on the thing and the thing attributed to you that you're so associated with. Yep, because you have no value until you get that Coco Chanel purse. That's Which the is, majority of society, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of twisted because I, I, I saw this, um, I guess, kind of short documentary one time. They had these super expensive shoes and then they had the knockoff, which is not the original. Hmm. And they had um, shoe experts try kind of both shoes out. on yeah and and say okay can you tell which one is the original and which one is a knockoff mm. and they couldn't tell wow like 100 percent, they thought that the knockoff performed better than the shoe that was two thousand dollars for a <laughs> pair of sneakers <laughs> and and well, then you think about it and you're like okay so i'm gonna get these sneakers that are two thousand dollars and i feel like now suddenly i'm something yeah. But really, when you wear that shoe and the one that is twenty dollars, you really can't tell the difference. Which is which is like triple sad because like you're trying to wear some, like a, something <laughs> awesome with the value for it, but then you're trying to get it for like twenty bucks instead of Nike, it's Mikey. Instead of Gucci, it's Mucci or whatever it is. That's yeah. just triple sad. But yeah, but they, not that but I'm they, guilty. They, of never, I've never heard of those brands, but <laughs> I appreciate the insight. No, what? but but then you end up you you see that getting your value out of things doesn't even really make sense mm. because value is something that is attributed to something even in worldly stuff mm-hmm. so our value mm. as people is something that god attributes to us mm. and our value when we think about i want to be valuable gold has a certain value because we give it that value mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it's almost like an emotional placebo right you're just kind of like oh boom i take these shoes and i'm going to feel better about myself but eventually the effect wears off Mm-hmm. And I think that's the other element that John jumps into verse 17 where he says the world is passing away mm. and the lust of it, right? Mm-hmm. So, but who does the will of the Father, right, abides forever. So I think it's also a play on what's going to last, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you set your affections and your love on the world and the things in the world, that's not going to persist. Mm-hmm. So if you have a desire in yourself that the satisfaction for that desire eventually will pass away, you're going to eventually arrive at an unsatisfied point in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that to me is a profound difference, right, yeah. mm-hmm. of what materialism does even inside the church, mm-hmm. you know, where they stop valuing eternal life, they start valuing salvation, redemption, character.
Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we've been talking about a little bit about things, but as you're talking, I'm thinking about it's not just things, but it could really be anything yeah. out there. It could be even another person. It right. could be even even myself as a material outside of God, mm. yeah. like me being married or me being not married, me being you know <laughs> Asian. I can, just a anything out there we can make into a thing that we attribute value to. I mean, that's a pretty, it's a yeah. deep concept. It's a sobering th reality. And, Thank very you much you so. know, and what's powerful about this text is that he's first addressing the, the, the flesh, things that we need. Then he's addressing things that we like, things that we see. And then he's addressing actually who we are. And materialism has a core, and that core is the, the, the inside of the person. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying, it's it's... We make we we are the ones that put value in the things that we want. We are the ones we place value in the things that we feel we need, and and the crazy thing about this, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, if you're old or young, if you're you know a woman or a man. Um, th this materialistic ideology or philosophy it affects who we are. Whether you're mm -hmm. a little kid trying to get good grades so that you're better than someone else, to mm -hmm. a super you know rich person that wants to be the best businessman in the world to make the most mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. Well, we've been looking at this, this concept of materialism, and at the base core, it's about idolatry of really anything out there. We're just scratching the surface of this conversation. Join us after the break. We're going to get deep into what Jesus has to say about materialism. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. Hey, welcome back. We're looking at materialism here, and we'll take a special look at what Jesus has to say about materialism. Let's go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 and verse 15 through verse 21. And I think when, when Jesus is talking about this parable, I mean, he's, he has a lot to say about money, per se. Mm -hmm. And it's because money has so, it's a part of everything about life and really impacts, uh, has, has implications for our spirituality as well. Let's go to verse 15. And um, Smash, can you read from, from, from verse 15 onwards to verse 21-ish? Okay. Yep. And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Oh, that's stop there. I mean, this is like Jesus is is pretty. Mm -hmm. The hatchet is down on materialism. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And when Jesus says, "Take heed and beware," we should. I mean, take heed yeah. and take beware. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, what, what's covetousness? Uh, what do you guys think of? He's about to define that in okay. the parable, and okay. so I think once we read the parable, we're going to get it. So we should a, shut up and read, read the yes. Bible verse. Okay, <laughs> well, that's what I would, you're saying. I would, I would actually argue that he okay. defines it there in the text as well, <laughs> okay. right? Because he says, "Take heed and beware of covetousness." Why? Yeah. Because one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Mm -hmm. So, to me, intrinsic to covetousness is believing that your life consists, right? A, an integral part of what it means to be alive, to have value in life, mm -hmm. is how many things you possess, mm -hmm. right? And um, I think that that serves as a foundation, right, for the definition, right? And then as you go into the parable, you see that practically kind of being played out mm -hmm. and saying, okay, does he, per does he have this perception mm -hmm. in his mind? So, I feel like it sets up the parable so that we say, well, does this guy believe that his life consists in that? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then what does that lead him to? Well, let's read, the, let's read the parable, verse 16. Siku, can you start and picking up from verse 16? Sebastian got fired. <laughs> <laughs> I'll read. Verse 16. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, 
the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will put down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Saul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. All right. These are the words of Jesus. Sobering. Israel, you're breathing in. Yeah. Uh, you're having an experience here. This, you know, th I, this has become one of the most profound texts for me because it starts off by, by talking about the condition that this man finds himself in, right? He's, he finds himself in a situation, I should say, not condition, but the situation. It says here, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. So you have this, this individual that owns a large property, apparently. Harvest but, is good. Yeah, but notice what it says there about the, the, the reason how this man becomes rich. The reason why this man becomes rich is because the Bible says the ground produces plentifully. In other words, he did, it, it doesn't he attribute, do yeah, it doesn't attribute any of his success to him, but to the ground. Mm -hmm. And then the crazy thing is that following that, the whole, like the, 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 the key words coming out is I, 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 mm -hmm. I, I. And so covetousness is more than just, you know, more than just this, I, what, what I need to survive, right? Mm -hmm. It's more than that. Now, it's easy for us as Christians to say, oh, that's an outside problem. But Jesus is saying, no, this is an inside problem. That's why you need to be aware of it mm -hmm. because it affects even the person who claims to be a disciple of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And what he is saying here is, I myself as a human being can provide an answer to this divine problem that I have. Mm -hmm. And that in itself uh, leads to or is the core problem when it comes to covetousness mm -hmm. that we have these divine problems. We're afraid of, am I going to take care of myself? How am I going to get rich? What am I going to do to survive? These, How am these I are all devalue? internal concerns, anxieties that right. we have. The Bible says in verse 17, verse 17, he thought within, within, within himself. himself. Yeah. And then Siku wonderfully accentuated verse 19. And I will say to my soul, so, you know, yeah. like, so <laughs> the, I think if we do a superficial reading of this, people think Jesus is anti-preparation, anti-investment. Right. Like, I mean, according to world standards, this is actually a pretty smart way of going about right. your inventory and all these things, right. but you're bringing out the point that this is a internal thing. Yeah, so what I'm saying is that what ends up happening is the, the reason why this guy got here is because he put upon himself, he put upon himself the responsibility to deal with issues mm -hmm. that God blessed him with. Mm -hmm. And so you have this issue where God is blessing him with wealth, and now all of a sudden he says, thank you, God, for giving me wealth. Now I have to manage my wealth. And so the opposite is true. Like God is not giving me wealth, so I need to go get my own wealth. We have mm. these problems and we think that human solutions can solve so, divine problems. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Sebastian? And you know, it, it also drives me to um, Ecclesiastes 5, right? Where Solomon talks about the idea that the profit of the land, right, is actually to profit everyone, mm -hmm. right? So in this agrarian society, right, everybody was the beneficiary of divine blessings. Mm -hmm. And yet here he has his yield, his, his, he's already rich because it says a rich man was already mm -hmm. yielding plentifully. Mm -hmm. His barns were filled, which was his conundrum, mm -hmm. right? And how did he react at that moment, right, is the key, right? As soon as you had more than you could handle, what did you turn to do? He turned to himself. I will, I will, I will, right? And you think about, you know, Bill Gates, you think about the king of Saudi Arabia's son, Mark Zuckerberg, all these people who are billionaires, 
are where most people are trying to get to, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he could buy and have anything he wants. And he's like, I'm going to give away 99% of my wealth mm -hmm. because his barns are too, can't hold what he has. Are too small. Man. Right? So he's thinking, well, I need to help cure AIDS and fight breast cancer and do this, right? But this guy says, I'm going to build bigger barns. Mm -hmm. So there's this hoarding going on. Here. Yeah, and, yeah, I think it's the the, the difference becomes like the this this internal focus really is, mm -hmm. um, and so when when Jesus says about a man's uh, the abundance, uh, what your life doesn't consist in the abundance of things that you possess, it seems from the parable that actually it's not about the things that I possess and I need to increase more me 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 mm -hmm. me me me, but actually the focus needs to be more outward, mm -hmm. and this internal focus removes trust in the one who actually gave you the gifts to begin with, like what Israel was saying. Mm -hmm. And so you, you lose focus of where, where your value came from in the first place, where the gifts came from in the first place, and you end up worshiping those things instead of the giver of the gifts. Now, uh, what, uh, a little bit of where I disagree with my two friends here is that uh -oh, I, uh -oh. I don't, I, Wait for it. Wait I don't think, I don't think the issue is here. The issue here is I don't think that the, I don't think that the solution that he comes up with is necessarily the wrong solution. Uh -huh. I think that how he arrives to the conclusion is what Jesus is talking about. Mm -hmm. In other words, there are some situations where building a, a larger barn might be a good idea. Mm -hmm. You know, the question is, how is it that he arrived to the conclusion that building a bigger barn is? the fact that he's thinking within himself yeah, and he's ruminating right. it. The, the response should have been, God, what should I do with this wealth? And God could have said build yeah, bigger barns. He could have said build, yeah. Because see, God knows the future. God knows, if, I mean, if this guy doesn't die, right, he, his logic is good. Mm -hmm. The problem with the plan here is that there is a divine you know, uh, reality that is saying the problem is that although you have awesome logic and it is a good idea to build bigger barns, mm -hmm. the problem is, you're going to die tonight, mm -hmm. you know? The reason that I think, you know, you, you disagree slightly and maybe I slightly... I agree now I because you're speaking. So. <laughs> All right, okay. I, I, I have a nuance to that is, is that the, I think the issue with the building the bigger barns is it's not building bigger barns in order to help people. Right. Like, it's, it's still the I. Yeah. The building bigger barns is the exact same logic as the I will think about what to do about this. I mm -hmm. will take care of the situation. I will big, build bigger barns to take care of I, to yes. take care of so me. me. And yeah. I think yeah. that's, you know, the, that's the linchpin <laughs> thing is it's the why, right? Because notice God doesn't intervene until that thought crystallizes, right? Mm. Here's the process. I'm going to build bigger barns, da, 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 da. And you know what I'm going to do when I build those bigger barns? Take ease. I'm going to take ease. I'm gonna eat and drink, drink and, and be, be merry. merry. Which yeah. this is my this is my this is where I'm at. I disagree with all you guys. I think the the wrong <laughs> the wrong thing that he's doing it's the result. What's his motive at the end of the day? It's just to kick back and do nothing. Right. Like his he's he's trying to achieve idleness yeah. and be independent from any any necessity, any contingency, and even God. Even like, dependency. Even dependency. Dep yeah. yeah and because, perhaps, but that's yeah. what everybody wants, right? You want to work. Retire, get to the point where you could just relax and travel and read books and go see your kids and your grandkids and yeah. just kick back and enjoy life. Yeah. That's yeah. the goal yeah. for most people yeah. in life. Let's go to verse 20. The Bible well, says... Justin, before yeah, we ahead. do that, I think, yeah, yeah. I think that it, it gives us here a picture of what materialism yields from seed to harvest. Uh, you yeah. know, it starts right. off with as, all right, I have this divine problem. I'm going to provide a human solution. And then that gets you going, you know, it gets you going. I'm going to provide my human solution. Let me think of my human solution. I'm going to, I'm going to start thinking about it. And ultimately it leads to 
my human solution is going to be something that's going to be selfish in nature mm. because the seed that planted it was in itself from the very, very beginning a selfish seed. Mm -hmm. And that's why Jesus either in here or in uh, uh, the, the text that we looked in First John, that's why it shows at a very, very profound level, more than, more than we tend to think, this worldliness or materialism impacts even the most godly uh, Christians. People, yeah. yeah. Let's go to verse 20 here. I think this is the where Jesus is getting his climax. Verse 20, God sent to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So Jesus is talking about the selfish component, but he goes one step further. Verse 21, Jesus is asking the question, what's going to happen to all these things that you, you saved up, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So he's actually, the, the climax is about saving right? Mm -hmm. So verse 21, so is he who lays up treasure for himself is not rich towards God. Right. And so the larger context of this passage is you save up, do everything you got to save up, but save towards heaven yeah. and not here on earth. And that's, yeah. and that's exactly the point I was driving at with the, the wealthy business tycoons that I mm -hmm. mentioned is that they're recognizing when I die, what am I going to do with $70 billion, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, they're, they're looking at the idea that I'm laying up, and granted, they're not even thinking about heaven, right? They're still thinking in an earthly sense of legacy and what's going to be behind my name before I die, but they see that I have all this money and it's not valuable to have this abundance, mm -hmm. right? When the world has all these issues. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, the external focus, right, puts a shame, right, to any Christian who doesn't have that amount of wealth and is not adopting that similar mindset. Let me, let me ask you all this question. I mean, this is, the parable says, the ground of a certain rich man. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, I'm not that rich. You, look at, you guys aren't rich either. Um, you're not Speak wearing Louis yourself. Vuitton and, and Coco <laughs> Chanel as, as Sebastian likes to splash in the morning. Um, what, what, what is some, what's the counsel we can get for people who are not rich from this passage? But yeah, I think secret. I think everybody is rich in something, you know. And okay. someone who doesn't have a job is rich in time, okay. you know. <laughs> okay. You got a lot of time on your hands. Okay. <laughs> no students. Uh, uh -huh. Students may not. We're rich in air yeah, and in, uh, oxygen. Yeah, some of us are rich the, in height. Right. I think the yeah. thing is that God gives, <laughs> God gives, God gives to everyone some kind of um, wealth. wealth. Okay. Right, and and it's about what do you do with whatever the wealth is that you have received. Mm -hmm. You could use it for selfish gain, um, or you could use it to bless other people. You could use it as a means of treasuring, putting your treasure in heaven, mm -hmm. or you could focus it on this mm -hmm. earth. Mm -hmm. This this mentality is like all around us. It's like society, capitalism, mm -hmm. like the whole world functions on this model. Yes. So how do we break out of this? Yeah, I think the, the concluding verse that we have is, I think of is Romans 12. Yep. Romans 12 verse uh, 2, and maybe we'll conclude on, on that verse here, yeah? And Sebastian, when you get to it, can you read it for us? Absolutely. We'll reinstate you back to the reader position. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, Romans 12, verse 2, Paul writes, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So this is the danger that we have in our modern society. This Bible verse breaks through the mentality that we have. We need to be transformed, renewed in our mind. I hope you've been really blessed by this conversation. I know I really have been blessed. I've, I've got capitalism and materialism in my brain, and I need this verse to be my sincere prayer. I know it's the prayer of all my panelists here. That's right. hope you've enjoyed your time here at Inverse. We'll see you at next episode on this quarter on materialism. 
You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Kelly Williams, Israel Ramos, Jared Thomas, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag InverseSpider. Until next time, this is Inverse.